A physician's two-month assignment at a modern-day almshouse turns into a 20-year pilgrimage to find out humanism can change the lives of physicians and patients. Welcome to ReachMD's Book Club. I'm your host, Dr. John Russell, and on this edition, we will be speaking with Dr. Victoria Sweet on her book, God's Hotel, winner of the California Book Award for Nonfiction. Dr. Sweet, welcome. Thanks a lot for having me, Dr. Russell. Can you tell us about Laguna Honda Hospital and its role in healthcare in San Francisco? Yeah, well, it's a really unusual hospital in San Francisco. It was originally the San Francisco Almshouse. And the Almshouse was, of course, the way we used to take care of the sick poor long ago in the days before health insurance. And it used to be that most counties in the country had an almshouse, uh, also sometimes called the poor house, and sometimes uh, an acute county hospital was sort of molded into that. And uh, eventually, starting in the 1950s, almost all the almshouses in the country were closed, except for Laguna Honda Hospital in San Francisco, which was renamed a hospital, but essentially functions as it, it used to, as the old San Francisco almshouse, which is a way in which to take care of everyone who doesn't fit in any place else. So traditionally, an almshouse would take care of anybody who needed chronic care, rehabilitation, uh, had no place to go, was homeless, unemployed, orphans, mentally ill, pregnant women, anybody you didn't know what to do with went, went to the almshouse. So it provided a, a relief valve, as it were, I'd say, for not just the healthcare system, but all public health systems and social systems. So for you, it was supposed to be a short-term assignment? Right. Well, I had, I had no idea what it was either, not, not any more than anybody else, but I had been practicing medicine for several years, and I decided to go back to school and get a Ph.D. in medical history because I had, after several years of practice, you know, I, I was more and more impressed by how effective modern medicine is, especially by its logical method for arriving at a diagnosis and treatment. But I was also more and more impressed by what it left out. So for a while, I looked at alternative medicines, at naturopathy and homeopathy and even Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine. But they were really all too, didn't, didn't quite work for me. And then one day I ran into um, the writings of a 12th century nun named Hildegard of Bingen, who had also written a medical book, because it turned out she'd also been a medical practitioner back then. And I found her medical book fascinating, because it wasn't the eye of newt, toe of frog medicine expected from a medieval medical text. It was a real medicine for real patients with real diseases, but based on a completely different model of the body. So I decided I wanted to study her medicine, and I wanted to do it in her original languages, which were Latin and German, and that meant I had to get a PhD, and that's how I got to Laguna Honda, because it was the only place at the time that would let me practice medicine part-time. So I came there, and when I saw it, when I went over for my interview, I was, I was stunned, because it did not look like a hospital. It looked like a medieval Romanesque monastery. It was on 60 acres of land. It had almost 1,200 patients, and after I got shown around after my interview, I really looked around and thought, wow, this is... I told the medical director I would come for two months, and I ended up staying for more than 20 years, yes. So I, I love the story you talk about in your book about the shoes as a kind of a metaphor for our broken healthcare system. Can you talk about that? Sure, and it was, it's a story where I, I first, I think, realized that I was learning something 
uh, at Laguna Honda that nobody got to learn, really. Um, and I'd been there by that time several years, and I'd learned a lot of medicine. Because the thing about the kind of hospital Laguna Honda was, about an almshouse kind of hospital, is that it ends up with everyone who's really at the very bottom. So, you know, the one-tenth of one percent of people who just can't make it. It turns out they can't make it for a lot of reasons, but because of that, they also end up having every, you know, disease in the world. So from a medical point of view, it was really interesting. And that was pretty obvious to me. But what wasn't obvious that I was, was that I was learning other things. And it gelled for me what I was really learning the day I ran into my friend, who I call Dr. Curtis in the book, who was a physician, actually a very interesting guy. He was a... Um, a surfer part-time, because it turned out that all the docks at Laguna Honda, this is an aside, but that all the docks at Laguna Honda were at Laguna Honda for some reason, and most of the reasons were because they actually wanted to do something else with their life in addition to their medicine. And getting back to the humanistic part and the uh, old-fashioned part, medicine was never hardly traditionally something you did full-time eight hours a day. People used to be doctors in something else, and Laguna Honda still managed to preserve that. So Dr. Curtis was a surfer, um, and he was a particularly interesting man for that reason. Um, at any rate, I ran into him uh, as he was coming back from the hospital. I ran into him in the old, one of the old open areas of the hospital, and he was just coming back from outside, and I asked him what he was doing. And he told me he was going back to a patient who'd been ready for discharge for uh, months. Every time Dr. Curtis saw him, the, there the patient was, and he was still zipping around in his wheelchair and still going to therapy. So finally, Dr. Curtis told me that he asked him why he was still there when he could walk. The patient said, no shoes, Doc. I need special shoes, and they've ordered them for Medicaid, and they're waiting for them to be approved. Dr. Curtis asked him, well, how long have they been waiting? Three months. And Dr. Curtis, while I was standing there, Dr. Curtis told me he, he thought about that. He said, he said, well, what size shoe do you wear? Size nine. So Dr. Curtis told me that he thought about all the charts he had to fill out and the patients he had to see and all the quality assurance forms, everything else he had to do. And then he just went over, got in his car, drove to Walmart, and bought a pair of size nine running shoes for $16.99. And now he was going back to the patient to put them on the patient and write the discharge orders himself. And I, I teased him. I asked him whether he was going to submit his receipt for reimbursement, and he just laughed. And when I watched him, you know, go back to the ward, I, I really just stood there for a while and thought about what he'd done, leaving his ostensible duty for his real duty, and how he had taken his duties as a physician personally. In the book I talk about, I don't know if you want me to go into this, but I talk about it, what, it, what I flashed on at that point was, a, was that quote uh, that I'd always loved, that many of us know about, um, the secret in the care of the patient is in caring for the patient. By, it's by Dr. Peabody, Francis Peabody, who, who told that to the medical graduating class at Harvard in 1927. And um, I'd always thought that it meant caring about a patient, you know, caring about a patient, loving the patient, at least liking the patient. But when I saw Dr. Curtis rushing off to put, to put the, sh the shoes on a patient he hardly knew, I looked it up. And it turned out that what Peabody really said was that 
he meant not caring about a patient, but caring for a patient the way a nurse cares for a patient, giving him sips of water or tucking in his bedclothes. Um, and he admitted, even in 1927, that that wasn't, he admitted, he admitted it, the most efficient way for a doctor to, to use his time, but that it was the secret of healing because it created the personal bond between doctor and patient, and that personal bond was the secret of healing. That is kind of what started me to realizing that I was learning and getting a chance to absorb uh, something at Laguna Honda that I hadn't seen anyplace else. I'm Dr. John Russell, and you're listening to ReachMD Book Club. We're speaking with Dr. Victoria Sweet, author of God's Hotel. So how would Hildegard have approached some of the problems we have in today's medicine? Well, of course, Hildegard, I think, honestly, you know, Hildegard is in the 12th century, so you have to remember that she had just about nothing. What we have is, is, is miraculous. And uh, I, I do kind of want to make it clear that I would not exchange, if I had to trade what we have today for what Hildegard had, I wouldn't. But she did have something that we've forgotten in our haste to, to embrace every new modern technology, and that is that Hildegard had time. She didn't have ERs, IVs, anesthesia. She didn't have really needles. She didn't have antibiotics. She didn't have anti-inflammatory. She didn't have hardly anything. She did have the whole herbal uh, pharmacopoeia, the traditional herbal pharmacopoeia, which is rather similar to the Chinese pharmacopoeia with hundreds and hundreds of medicinal plants. And many of them, of course, are effective. And many of them we've developed into um, our IV medications and chemotherapy. So it's not like she didn't have anything. But she had a different model of the body, I gradually realized, and a different approach. So what happened with our medicine was that around the 19th century, when people moved off their farms and particularly England became an industrial factory kind of place, the model of the body changed. Um, in the rural and agricultural times, Hildegard's model of the body was body more like a plant. And in the 19th century, the body became more like a machine. So when the body's a machine and the doctor's more like a mechanic, the doctor looks at the patient and tries to find out what's, what's wrong, what's broken, and how can I fix it. Um, and it's been a useful model of the body. Hildegard's model of the body as a plant was very different. And the difference between a machine and a plant fundamentally is that someone else has to fix the broken machine. But a plant, as we all know, heals itself pretty much if it's just given the right nourishment, if what's in the way of its own powers are anything obstruction is removed, a plant will usually do pretty well. And that was the model of the body that Hildegard applied. So when she got a patient who was ill, especially chronically ill, uh, she would step back and look at the patient in the context of the patient's environment and ask herself, what can I do to remove whatever is in the way of the, this patient's natural own natural power of growth and healing? And how can I nourish it? And so that was something I learned during my PhD, and I began to use it in addition to our modern kind of fast medicine. I began to think of our medicine as a fast medicine as opposed to Hildegard's slow medicine, kind of the same way we've got fast food, 
And slow food and fast food's good when you need it, and slow food's good when you can when when you need it. Same way fast medicine and slow medicine, I think, can work together. So over the 20 years, did Laguna Honda remain unchanged, or did the modern-day fast medicine start creeping in? Yeah, well, it didn't exactly creep. We, we were really over the hill to the poorhouse for quite a few years while I was there. And um, then one day, healthcare efficiency experts appeared uh, that the hospital had hired to discover uh, all the ways in which we were inefficient. And, and that was a way in which I learned about the efficiency of inefficiency, as well as the inefficiency of efficiency. And uh, eventually, the Department of Justice lawyers appeared and were horrified by the big old place because it was big and old and had open Nightingale wards. And they insisted that San Francisco rebuild the hospital or shut it down. And uh, there were a lot of battles and fights, but eventually, San Francisco did rebuild the hospital as a new modern healthcare and rehabilitation facility with private rooms for everyone and halogen lights and beautiful surroundings. And uh, I then took some time off to write the book and reflect on what I'd seen and learned there. What overall lesson do you think that the average clinician can take away from your book to apply to their practice? I think if docs have the time, they do this kind of naturally. But basically, to me, what I do, and that's all I can say, really, is I think the fundamental distinction we get to make is between how sick is somebody and how acutely ill they are. And if they're not dying, then taking our time to step back, uh, organize our thoughts, examine the patient well, take the time to really put in order what their diseases are and do what's most important first, while in the meantime, removing, in, in our case these days, all the medications they've probably collected from all the different doctors they've grown and really kind of trying to allow their natural powers of, of healing to, to work um, if they don't need something acute, obviously. But I think most docs know that, honestly. Don't you? I, I think so. And I actually talked with a patient this week about the, the plant-type metaphor of kind of allowing themselves to, to get better to kind of go through a, a little bit of a fall and a winter and, and wait for their spring. And, and, I, and I think it worked. And I, I, I'm enjoying some of the slow medicine for the times that, that I don't need fast medicine. So uh, it's, it's a wonderful book. It's a wonderful way for all of us to kind of reconnect with what drew us to medicine in the first place and, and to kind of light the fire in our souls once again. So I, I'd recommend this book strongly to anyone who really re wants to reconnect with what drew them to medicine in the first place. I'd like to thank Dr. Sweet for being on our show. And thank you very much. And please pick up God's Hotel. This is Dr. John Russell. If you missed any of this discussion and want to hear other programs in this series, please visit ReachMD.com where you can download the podcast and learn more about this series. Thanks for listening.